0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to From Know How to Wow.
1: Well. Can you do this more like, wow, because you're in an audience, we're making this with some effects
2: on it, you know? You're, you're basically, we're all in a stadium oh, and you're cheering us on and you're basically yeah. giving us the fire. Yeah. We yeah. have our yes. beers in our hands and we're waiting for the moderator to really fire us on. You know
0: it's 8 a.m., right? Go, <laughs> Jeff, go. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls... Welcome to From Know-How to Wow. Woo!
1: From Know-How to Wow. The Bush Global Podcast.
0: I always wanted to be, and I, I kind of wondered what it's like to be on a really big stage in a
2: stadium. Well, I would say that you seem like a natural, and I think the audience loves you too uh,
0: well, let's be honest, that's <laughs> the beauty of sound design. I mean, you we just picked a friendly audience and shout out to Steffi as always,
2: <laughs> although in real life, to get an audience excited is part of the equation. Um and I mean, in addition to a great performer, we also need an excellent sound system. That's right. That's what we're going to learn a lot about today. Hi-Fi sounds for stadiums, arenas, and big venues.
0: Or tiny ones, just like a kitchen, where this sound is actually recorded.
3: Well, hey, Shuko and Jeff, it's a real pleasure to meet you both.
0: Um, and it's a real pleasure to be on the podcast, From Know How to Well. This is Daniel He He's one of our dear guests on this episode. And as a musician, he counts on professional audio equipment. And he'll also tell us more about the link between beer and proper beats.
2: And I'm really looking forward to hearing him play later in the show. I've heard it's exclusively for us.
0: So, dear listeners, welcome to episode 18 of our little show.
2: You really like the Beg venue. I get it.
0: (laughs) Well, come on. Tis the season.
2: You've taken the words out of my mouth, literally. (laughs) Oh, wow. Tis the season.
0: And isn't it amazing? how this short little sound effect immediately evokes associations with the holiday season. Well, I mean, at least for me it does.
2: Yeah, I guess it depends on the cultural context of your upbringing. There's probably some sort of holiday sound or a certain style of music everywhere that invokes similar feelings in people. For me, it's the sound of a busy Christmas market. really hearing the people talk and laugh and having all of those smells around us as well from the different uh, food stands that we have. It immediately makes me feel very cozy and Christmassy.
0: And of course the music too.
2: Of course the music.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Until it becomes too much. <laughs> that can happen. Maybe I have lower tolerance than others. But anyway, the effect of music on people probably isn't a surprise to anyone, especially none of our listeners.
4: But it's fascinating nonetheless.
2: And here's someone who knows a thing or two about this.
4: Because you might notice if you go into a fast food restaurant or a restaurant where they're trying to turn tables or a store where they want you to make a quick buying decision, the music is typically upbeat and kind of loud and going and going and going. But if it's someplace like an upscale restaurant where they'd like you to relax for more of the time. It's softer, it's setting a different mood.
2: This is Bob Reeder, and he's had a long career in audio.
4: As an engineer, designing loudspeakers, designing audio systems, designing components.
2: And that means when he goes into a restaurant, it might be tricky for him to relax and enjoy the evening.
4: I can relax and enjoy, but at least initially, I'm thinking about evaluating the sound. And often I'll make a comment about something that isn't right, and my wife will just laugh at me because she doesn't hear it. What sound engineers can hear
0: is truly amazing sometimes. But Bob, he isn't a restaurant sound tester, right? What is it exactly that he does?
2: No, he's definitely not a restaurant sound tester.
4: (laughs) I'm sure that's a job somewhere. I'm the global product manager for install and concert sound with Electrovoice.
2: So Electrovoice is a well-known brand for microphones and loudspeakers, and it's a subsidiary of Bosch. So the same thing that restaurants and retailers do with music, or holiday markets for that matter, Bob and his team at Electrovoice help bring the same effect to stadiums and other large venues.
4: But in these big venues, why do we go there? We go to have a communal experience with other people and share this experience with others in a way we can't do when we're isolated watching it, for example, on television. And part of that is, you know, when you cheer, everyone cheers with you and vice versa. And the sound system, the music has a lot to do in driving people's energy to make it more of an experience, almost interactive,
2: So having a good sound system obviously helps a lot with that.
0: Although I must say, really great sound at a stadium is actually kind of rare, yeah. especially for sporting events. I mean, yeah, the, the audience cheering is, is great and that's, that's part of the whole atmosphere. But what comes over the sound system, let's say, is it's usually not for people who are exactly, you know, audiophiles.
2: True, and we need to make an important distinction here. When you go to a concert at a stadium, the band might bring their own sound gear, right? Mm -hmm. They'll put up these huge towers of loudspeakers. Um, What you were talking about and what Bob also is talking about, that's the sound system that is installed in a venue. So playing music over it might not be its primary purpose.
4: In sporting facilities, the addition of playing high-quality music, you know, driving pop music and rock music through the system, is a relatively recent introduction. You know, the last 15, 20 years, that's become more and more important. The original function of these systems was to reinforce the human voice. So you could hear the announcers, you could hear what was going on, it's communication. So you could hear what's going on in a game, but also for emergencies,
1: I assume.
2: Yes, although often for emergency situations, there's actually a separate sound system. But in theory uh, it uses the same technology, so speech intelligibility has a main focus. And actually in many countries, Bob says, there's a regulation around that. Um, So worldwide sports organizations also require certain speech intelligibility and they go to stadiums and measure it. For Electro-Voice, making sure that people can understand speech well in a sports stadium is the core of what the company does.
4: Electrovoice started in the late 1920s in northwest Indiana near Notre Dame University. And at Notre Dame, there was a famous football coach named Newt Rockney. Newt Rockney. Rockney was running four practice fields at the same time, and he didn't want to yell so loudly all the time for his players to hear him. And he knew the founders of the company who supplied him with a sound reinforcement system so he could. Be up on a platform and he could be heard anywhere on the practice fields by his players. And we didn't really have a name for this device, but Newt Rockney called it his electric voice.
0: When we started this episode, I had no idea that we were going to be talking about Newt Rockney. The guy is a legend. And especially because Notre Dame isn't so far from Chicago. So it's pretty cool.
2: Notre Dame, Jeff. Notre Dame.
0: Notre Dame. (laughs) How many different <laughs> languages can we throw in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, so I, I, I had no idea that we have a Bosch company, which was effectively named by Newt Rockney. That's a pretty fantastic piece of trivia right there. So for electro voice. One, two, one, two, check, check, check.
2: Indeed, they specialize in reproducing the human voice perfectly. But of course, also music. And it's a challenge. Um, This challenge grows with the size of the venue to make music sound really good. A challenge that's become more important to solve.
4: But the role that music is playing in sporting events has changed so drastically over the last 20 years. And people are expecting that sound system to get them pumped up and sound as good as it does in their living room, but just far, far louder. I remember uh, one of the
0: last concerts I went to go to before, obviously, the whole thing that stopped us from doing fun stuff um, it was it was fascinating to me the difference in sound quality between the uh, opener band mm-hmm. and the headline band and it was honestly it was quite disappointing for me because I went mostly for the opener, not the headline <laughs> 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 I was I was kind of bummed out but anyway it's it's impressive how much um, the sound quality impacts the experience but this begs a question which is perhaps, borderline naive. Um, why not just scale up the speakers that I have in my living room? and can spend a couple extra dollars on them. What, what's, what's making this so
1: hard?
2: Well, the very short answer is physics. Um, the slightly longer answer <laughs> is a multitude of physical effects. Um, first of all, loudspeakers need to move air mm-hmm. because sound is an airwave, but they're actually not very good at it.
4: Loudspeakers are in percentage terms, in relative terms, pretty inefficient at converting an electrical signal into sound. So you have to drive them with a lot of power because that conversion is at a relatively low rate. For a home loudspeaker, it could be, you know, a fraction of a percent up to a couple percent. For a big stadium speaker, it could be something closer to 1520, but it's not efficient conversion.
0: Okay, so basically power consumption is putting the limit on scaling
2: up. And the second challenge is that sound doesn't travel very well. So you'll probably already notice in your living room that the sound is much louder, closer to the speaker, compared to your couch. Right. Um, the general rule of thumb is when you double the distance, the sound is only about half as loud. So at 10 meters away, it's only half the volume of a 0.5 meters away from the speaker. And, Bob and his team want the sound to still be loud, distance is far longer
0: yeah of course and for sure the same effect works in reverse like with our microphones that we have right now for sure you will notice if i'm getting farther away from the microphone than if i'm where i should be (laughs) no but it's very very noticeable and especially with high quality audio equipment whether it's
4: microphones or speakers it makes
0: a big difference
2: Yeah, and the distances we're actually talking about, I mean, Bob is thinking about...
4: 180 meters or or 700 feet, 750 feet, something like that.
0: Which is really far when you think about it.
2: Definitely, and it's necessary when you have loudspeakers next to the scoreboard on one end of the stadium and people at the other end still hear the same thing. But there's another problem with the sound getting worse further away from the speakers.
4: In addition, it may not fall off evenly across the entire frequency range. For example, if you're outdoors and you have humidity effects and you have different temperatures and different striations of temperature in the atmosphere through which the sound is propagating, it can really affect the sound in that it can skew the direction of propagation. It can absorb some of the high frequencies. Some of those things change daily. That's where a good sound engineer comes in handy.
2: And sound engineers, if they're good, take obviously the weather into consideration. I had never heard this before.
0: I hadn't either. Really?
2: So quick recap, Jeff. Bob has told us that loudspeakers need to move air, Mm -hmm. but are inefficient Mm -hmm. and that different frequencies travel differently through the air. So to solve some of these challenges, some loudspeakers simply ignore the lowest bass frequency.
4: At low frequencies, you have to move lots and lots of air, and it's relatively less efficient to produce sound at low frequencies. So you don't have to reproduce those. Then it becomes a little easier to get those high sound levels.
2: But... Always a but. Always. (laughs) That trick, just ignoring low frequencies, it doesn't work anymore
4: venues are increasingly being asked to play techno music and the full range of modern music. So we need a speaker that would reproduce that as well. And that meant having it play low enough so that in a lot of situations, you wouldn't need a subwoofer or extra bass speakers to give people that impact and that sense there's a lot of low end and also extend the range out to the very upper frequencies. So it's more of a hi-fi experience than you typically get in a large venue.
2: And if you didn't catch that between the lines, that's exactly what Bob and his team are setting out to build. A speaker that gives audiences a hi-fi experience even 180 meters away.
0: I figured that would be a target like that. And honestly, I can't wait to hear if and, of course, how they accomplish that. But to the points that he made about the hi-fi experiences and how important good speakers are to create good vibes— literally. Uh-huh. Uh, let's hear from someone on the other end of this process, an onstage performer. A good gig with a good sound system makes all the difference for a singer too.
3: You come off stage and you feel, wow, that was cool. Like, I mean, I've got quite a, a powerful kind of uh, rough voice. So when you belt it into the mic and you feel it on the other end coming through, you kind of get this kind of goosebump feeling inside almost, of kind of like, wow, it came out as I wanted it to come out.
1: Because I know I'm gonna see you soon enough. It's tough, but you know it's gonna be worth the proof. Oh,
3: My name's Daniel Kemish. I'm an Americana folk artist. I mean, Americana is such a broad. They call it Americana because I think they really don't know what else to call it. But um, yeah, it's, it, I play a mixture of folk, uh, rock and roll, country, um,
0: singer-songwriter, that kind of stuff. Since it seems to be hard to explain, we're hearing some of Daniel's music already in the background. That's from his song Just Tonight, and he recorded this version exclusively for us.
2: But, um, wait, we will play the entire track at the end of the show, right? Of course, of course. Uh, Uh, Okay, good.
0: And when Daniel's on tour, by the way, he says that if he gets to pick between venues, the installed sound system can actually be the deciding factor. You look forward to a venue, especially if you know
3: the, the PA's good, the front of house system is good, and also the sound on stage makes a big difference to your performance as an artist or as a band, but also the audience are the main energy givers in the way that they react. So when the sound's good and the audience are into it, it means it's a whole different experience for the show.
2: You know, as somebody who usually goes to concerts or clubs, um, you definitely notice when the sound is better in one place or another. And I can totally relate to what he's saying. It does have an impact on the experience you're having.
0: If you're looking for an expert to tell you which venue is better than another, Daniel is your man he's seen them all Uh, well i mean obviously many of them i've been on the road solidly for the last
3: eight years maybe really six years hard touring and then obviously came the dreaded thing we don't want to talk about um and it kind of put a
0: stop to that for a while so for sure he's encountered some bad sound systems And he's seen the effect they have on audiences and eventually his own performance on the stage. Because if the audience aren't
3: enjoying it as much as they did the last time, you think, well, what are we doing wrong? We're playing just as good. What are we doing
0: wrong? And to avoid that vicious cycle that starts with a bad sound system and ends with everyone having a less than ideal experience, Daniel and his band became more picky.
3: We've been in venues before where you turn up and you think, oh my God, hang on a minute. No, no, no.
0: We won't play through this system.
2: So, but... If they say something like this, do they just cancel the gig?
0: Well, no. He takes his own sound system with him on tour. Ah, So if necessary, they are doing their own install. Clever. You put
3: your own system in front of the other system and you play through your own system. And the sound is ten times better than it would have been had you used the venue system. The artist sells more merch because everyone had more of a fun night. The venue sold more drink because everyone's enjoying themselves. And it... It's it's one of those things that unfortunately people don't put it down to the sound system a lot of times. But I think it's one of the main factors of what makes a venue good and what makes a venue not so good.
2: I'll definitely pay more attention next time to these kind of things.
0: You didn't notice already? I
2: mean, if, you, if you're talking... Oh, if he,
0: made me crazy <laughs> sometimes. Oh.
2: Well, he, he did say the venue sold more drinks. Yeah.
0: So... You know this. This reminds me of an old uh, American expression: "If you want something done right, you have to do it yourself." Uh, so he obviously has taken that to heart. Um, but of course, he acknowledges also that that sometimes the the people running the venue are not so happy with this, you know, uh, train of events. Um, but you know, rarely they're they're just. Aware of their limitations of their own in-house system,
3: I've turned up at a venue and the sound guy said, "Have you brought your system with you? Can we can we use your system?"
2: <laughs> well, at least they no. You know that's that's already a good yes. thing. Um, Self-awareness is key. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, but I was thinking about this just now. Um, you know, when I'm in a, in a in a club or a bar, especially after a certain point, do we really think that the audience perceives this? Um, because I have to admit, I, I've never really thought about it till this episode. And I couldn't tell you now whether I would have noticed the difference. And like Bob, as he told us earlier, when he complains about the sound at a restaurant, it, you know, his wife laughs at his comment. Um, and I can kind of relate to that.
0: Well, you know, it comes down to a preference issue. The real music lovers in the audience, they will definitely take note.
2: Cheap shot, eh? I'm not a real music lover then, (laughs) by your standards.
0: It was between the lines, I didn't say
3: that. I have had people come up to me, be it the the owners or the the people behind the bar, or sometimes the audience that come regularly to that venue, and they'll come up to me and say, man, the sound tonight was awesome compared
0: to what it's been like. And at this point, it's not going to surprise anyone that Daniel uses electro voice gear. He's such a big fan of the brand that he became actually a brand ambassador. As promised, more of Daniel's music exclusively at the end of this episode, so check that out.
2: Can't wait. Of
0: course. So, Shuko, what can you tell us about how ElectroVoice makes such great equipment?
2: I can tell you that ElectroVoice makes microphones and loudspeakers for artists like Daniel, as well as for big venues and everything in between. So I had to pick one product to look at in more detail, and I found one that's particularly fascinating. It is a gigantic loudspeaker for stadiums that they develop over the past few years, and it's supposed to solve the challenges that we talked about with Bob earlier.
0: So they did indeed build a speaker that's ticking all these boxes. Loud at a long distance, excellent sound, etc., etc.
2: Yes, they definitely did. Of course. And one way to do it is pretty obvious. They steered the sound in one direction.
4: You don't want to waste that sound energy that you create. So instead of letting it flow freely wherever it needs to go, you want to focus the sound at the audience area that you're trying to cover. So we often say, just point the sound at the people, (laughs) which is an easy concept, but hard to accomplish. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'm trying to really picture that. I, I like that.
0: that. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that visualization. But yeah. But I, I'm asking myself what really makes that so hard. I mean, I think everybody knows, you know, when I'm doing this, when I'm cupping my hands around my mouth, or I'm just, you know, yelling, I won't scream at the microphone right now, but when I'm just yelling, <laughs> it's getting louder in that specific direction I'm facing and less loud in, in other directions.
4: True. But there's another challenge because when you do that, my voice doesn't really sound like my voice anymore, does it? (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) So once you put that waveguide around the sound source, you have to shape it so that it treats the frequency range evenly. So you don't distort the quality of the sound while you're controlling the directivity of the sound.
2: So in general, it's the way to go. And you heard Bob call this a waveguide. It's an important component the wave guide that you made with your hands was round, but what people in stadium and venues need is a rectangular area. So they can have one speaker covering one part of the audience, and then they can mount the next speaker side by side, covering the neighboring part of the audience, and so on. So that means yet another challenge is transforming a circular wave from a loudspeaker membrane into a rectangular output pattern.
0: That is complex. Okay, so without changing the directivity of the sound, without, without morphing the sound.
2: To get into the nerdy details about this, let's bring on Bob's colleague, Andrew Pardot. Over the past few years, Andrew led the development of MTS. That's a nice little loudspeaker that you probably wouldn't want to put in your living room, and it's probably not even something Daniel would want to take on tour with him.
5: The whole thing measures one meter by one meter, or about 43 inches by 43 inches, And the largest one is even a five-foot depth, so that's one and a half meters. So this is a very large loudspeaker intended for very large spaces.
0: And how does MTS get around these limitations that physics itself has put on loudspeakers?
2: It does not defy physics. But as you'd expect from something that gets featured on this podcast, there is quite some ingenious engineering at play. We already talked about the waveguide. That's the last component, that the sound wave passes before it leaves the loudspeaker. Another component before this is another type of waveguide. Engineers call this the horn.
0: Horn? Like, as in French horn?
2: I like how you went for the French horn. (laughs) See, it's in your subconscious now.
0: (laughs) Well, my sister played the French horn. Of course I went that way.
2: As in the French horn or any other instruments. Trumpets, for example. Or you've heard of Alphorns? horns long wooden musical instruments that were originally used for communication in the mountains of the Alps.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these things have been around since man started cutting horns off off bulls and shouting through one end of them, yeah? So I think that's probably why it's called a horn. It's literally a horn. It's pretty clear. (laughs) (laughs) A
2: bit cruel as well, but... Um a component of the MTS speaker that you might not have heard of is the Hydra.
0: Okay, so I know what a Hydra is, but not in the context of a loudspeaker. Is that the speaker with multiple heads?
2: This one exactly, this one has two heads um or two ends on one side. Yes. Um okay. it's yet another specialized type of waveguide.
5: Okay. So this is a quite a complex plastic part. It, it's a little difficult to describe in words.
2: Challenge accepted. Do it. <laughs> yes. So the purpose of the hydra is to make that transformation happen from a circular wave to a rectangular strip. So this is what we were mentioning previously. Mm-hmm. And the sound enters the hydra at two points along its narrow end.
5: So you start off with two small holes about an inch across, yeah, about 25 mil across. And they are skewed to the side of each other so that you can then fit some large compression drivers on top of them. Those two holes then start to morph into a single flat strip and join together halfway down. And then that passes out into this strip source and then that starts to expand out into the square wooden horn. There's a lot going on there.
2: And as we can all imagine, it's quite big and heavy. So about half a meter long and made out of pretty thick plastic. Um, it has quite a weird shape. Um, Andrew described it as a hump, so hump shape. The sound is guided in such a way that it slows down some parts of the waves, but not others.
5: This was kind of one of the complicated things to achieve to get it just right. If you don't get the geometry just right, then you end up with odd cancellations and the acoustic waves in the horn, it like kind of bounces around in the horn and it cancels out. You don't get that efficiency. You don't get good sound quality. And even more importantly, it doesn't go as far. If you set up this very uniform wave, it goes much further. It throws a lot further.
0: So this is a pretty impressive feat, what they're they're doing here, impacting the directionality of sound. But how is it that they actually design a shape to achieve this? How is that done?
2: They use computers, Jeff.
0: Yep. Thank you, Shuko.
5: <laughs> Thank you very much. So that was all done using a finite element program. So you build the whole device inside the computer world and you assign properties to the air and the wood and the plastic and all the things around it. And then we can run simulations to see what it's going to do. And we must have run hundreds, maybe even thousands of simulations.
2: And, okay, it was a bit simple because... You know, it's only half the truth what I said with computers, because you can't do much with computer simulations if you don't have smart people, obviously, yeah, in front of the computers.
5: It's all done by experienced engineers who have been doing this for quite a long time under a certain set of design guidelines that we've generated throughout the years, building on technology over the years with the Electrovoice system.
2: And you were right. This is quite complicated to figure out, even for computers. It takes them quite some time to run these simulations, so to not waste the engineer's time waiting for a computer to finish, they use some cloud computing power from Bosch.
5: These calculations we do can take a day, a week, maybe even a month, but some of the ones we were doing would normally take about two weeks on a, on a single, fairly high-power computer with maybe 16 cores or something. We can send that off to this uh, computer farm within Bosch we can get an answer back within one or two hours what would normally take us over a week to calculate. Wow. The
0: computing on-demand services that are available are actually pretty impressive. And I think a lot of people don't really realize how much energy is consumed in doing these simulations. You know, when you're, when you're doing something like watching a movie, which has been computer-generated,
4: mm-hmm. uh,
0: those individual scenes can take months to render. And so when researchers like Andrew need to do something like this, it really takes up a lot of their time.
2: I can imagine. And
0: their ability to have a service that can speed this up really gets things into the market faster. It's pretty impressive stuff. But that's just IT nerdy (laughs) stuff. Never mind me.
2: And that's just the work that went into the mid and high frequency. So after they have passed through the Hydra, they need to be combined with the low frequencies. And to make a long story a little bit shorter, there's a special cardioid version of the speaker that uses sound cancellation to make sure the low frequencies don't get emitted too much to the side or to the back.
0: And all you're seeing here from the outside is is the proverbial black box. Mm-hmm. You know, before this, I for sure never knew all of this was happening on the inside of speakers. I thought it was just Me a neither. magnet bouncing back and forth. Uh, but I know this might be difficult to say, but can Andrew describe what
5: MTS actually sounds like.
2: When you ask him, this is what he says.
5: Um, I would say it's adequate. <laughs> and, and pretty much everything else I've heard before was not.
0: It's not exactly the wow no. <laughs> moment I, mean, I was looking for. It's adequate. Otherwise called wildly mediocre. Okay. <laughs>
2: So, um, Andrew's very modest. Um, The quality of the sound paired with the loudness is such that it never leaves him wanting more. Yeah, Um, He's very pleased with what he and his team have definitely achieved.
5: You know when sometimes you listen to a piece of music on a a very good sound system, you hear all these things in the music that you never heard before because they're kind of in the background. Well, you can hear all of those on our speaker because it is this really high-quality sound. Actually, I quite often go home at night and... Over the last few tuning sessions, I, I get home and I'm quite disappointed in my home sound system because just
2: struggle. i been kind of spoiled
5: with how good it sounds.
0: And it can be the opposite too, you know, Shuko. You know, if if you've been listening to something on a on a on a good speaker, yeah, and then you hear the same thing on a less than so
2: mediocre excellent speaker,
0: <laughs> you're missing all these little niceties, and it's just it can be grating to the ears.
2: Well, if I uh, if I take the word of uh, Steph. It can be horrible. <laughs> I think we would be horrible. Horrible.
0: That's Yes, horrible.
2: <laughs> but going back to Andrew, um, apparently it sounds so good that it might not just be used in stadiums and the big venues or outdoor venues, but also in clubs.
0: That's great. And it's a little bit frustrating that we can't actually listen to the speaker and hear it on the podcast. Yeah. What it's like. <laughs> I mean, that obviously wouldn't make sense because people listen with their phones and their earpods and that is just, that is not by any means up to the MTS standard. No. Just like you can't see on an SD screen what a uh, HD or, or high-def movie is looking like.
2: Uh, what's?
1: Jingle bells. Jingle. What's happening? Hi, Shuko. Hi, Jeff. Did you get our presents? Can you open them now, please? Oh, I
2: love opening presents, especially so close to Christmas. Hi, Patrick. Um, So, listeners, Patrick is our (laughs) head of podcast. Hi. And how would you describe his role, Jeff?
0: Oh, he's the the man behind the curtain. He makes it all happen. Finds our guests, does the programming. Yeah, he's the man. The Wizard of Oz, as it were.
2: Cheers us on when we need a little bit of uh, uh, courage. <laughs>
0: yeah, or cracks the whip when we're not on task. That's that can also be the case. I
2: was trying to be an optimist. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Jeff, do you want to open at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. Oh wow! This is this actually comes from Electro Voice. Yeah,
0: yeah. How about it? That's cool. And that is heavy duty. Holy moly. <laughs>
2: I'm so excited. We get a new microphone. You know,
0: it's 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 kind of cool. You can you can already tell the difference in the quality just from the weight of the thing. Yeah,
2: I can, yeah.
0: This is I mean, it's really substantial.
2: Wow. Uh, well, I'm definitely oh, really wow. looking forward to, to changing our setup. Yeah, it's an
0: upgrade. That's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. This is gonna be fun. It's it's so cool. You know, I've been in IT for so long and we've always supported the Burnsville, Minnesota, location, and I've always known it as where they also, uh, in, in that area do the, the winter test tracks. Okay, but now holding a product in my hand from this location that's that's uh, something else, didn't expect that. Thank you so much,
2: thank you so much, team from Electro Voice, for setting this through.
0: Ah, yeah, and here there's even a card too. Hi, Jeff, enjoy your Electro Voice RE 20. That's great. Did you know that this mic has been an industry-standard broadcast microphone for decades? Signed, yours, Santa.
2: Aww.
0: That's lovely. Thank you, Santa, too.
2: (laughs) So getting really professional here, I guess we have learned so much today on how important good sound is and what effect it has on both the creators and the audience. So with these mics, for sure, our podcast will sound even better from now.
0: Oh, and Daniel Chemish, the musician, he told me that his electro voice microphone is almost sacred. In my vocal mic, I
3: have the same mic every night. I mean, it's a personal thing. Microphone's are really personal thing.
0: And can you guess which microphone he uses?
2: The RE-20.
3: I'm using a, an RE-20 vocal mic. I've got an ND-66 on the guitar. And it's going into a mixer completely flat. There is no EQ, there's no compression, there's no reverb. I wanted to keep it completely pure. And yeah, this stuff's amazing. I mean, the room is is maybe not the best. I'm
0: doing it out of an old kitchen, but it's fine. It works.
2: (laughs) It definitely does. It
0: sounds great. And I'm so excited, honestly, to listen to the next episode. Once we've recorded on the Electro Voice and to hear the difference. But,
2: you know, and that's something quite good because then we definitely have something to look forward to in the new year. But, deaf.
0: So are we going to play his song now?
2: Exactly. I was about to ask you the same thing. You've you've made me wait. All episode, I want to hear Daniel's song.
0: Okay, okay. We will. For sure we will. But first, let's, let's quickly tell everybody that we also have a present for you, dear listeners. And this is actually not our last episode for this year. From Know How to Wow, the Bosch Global Podcast. On December 30th, we're going to celebrate From Know How to Wow and our whole year together with a very special episode. Shuko and I are going to do a little reminiscing and have some callbacks to our previous episodes. And we're very excited for you all to hear it.
2: Definitely. Until then, wishing everybody happy holidays and looking forward to speaking with you in the new year, Jeff. Happy
3: holidays. So I'm going to play a little... um, a little song i mean i know we were talking about uh the the road and and the venues and this whole episodes about the the speaker systems in venues and for me it's um this song is is really the 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 being on the road and the the being away from home that's the hard bit um, and i want to uh i mean it's not a christmas song i know it's a christmas time um I don't actually have any Christmas songs, but this is a, a song called Just Tonight, and um, it goes a little like this.
1: You see the sand you on not hold tight tonight. You see the sand you can't do the one thing that's right. Right on the road, we're trying to find the light. But I know I won't be seeing you tonight Well, it's a long and windy road I'm gonna take you to west Riding on the waves Riding like the best She calls you up one night It's been a cold or rainy day Street lights on the window Like the light of day Because I know I'm going to see you soon enough. It's tough, but you know it's going to be worth it, bro. Oh, very long to get back home and see up for the night. Well, the bus snakes down the highway and the band is fast asleep. Thoughts of you inside my head will they keep my mind away Cause it's the life we live And the thrills that we give That me traveling on this lonely road Oh, we just pulled into town It's early Thursday morning The stage is up It's because how this place is gonna go Well, the seats are so the crowd is so i am in the air That's what keeps me Traveling on this road Because I know I'm gonna see you soon enough It's tough But you know it's gonna be Worth the For the Very long Get back home See you for the night because I know I'm going to see you soon enough Oh, it's tough, but you know it's going to be worth the oh, very long to get back home and see ya for the night Because I know I'm going to see you soon enough it's tough, but you know it's gonna be worth the rub. Well, it won't be very long till we get back home And I'll see you for tonight From know how to wow.
4: The Bosch Global Podcast.